So as a preface to this week's episode, which is late because life, um, June 24th, 2022 was a fucking dark day for the United States. So there's that. And I hope that it ends up being a terrible footnote in the history books. Like, yeah, that was a weird time, wasn't it? Fuck all that shit. In the meantime, though, I am a strong believer in pop culture as a thing to distract us from what's going on. It is self-care for us to concentrate on other things for a hot minute. You can't go hard all the time. So in that vein, welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. Oh my God. Hello, party people. You know you're here for this shit. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you are so inclined. I have so little traffic on that other page because I'm like, you know what? I ain't going to post much shit here, so feel free. You ain't going to be overwhelmed. This week's episode is we're back in the files. The fun thing about the files is that while they are wildly all over the place in terms of timeline, like it's very much not a, oh, and then it was February and then it was March. Occasionally, they seem to line up so that everything seems to be in roughly the same time. And roughly the same continuity, although I've got questions about this one. Um, We have the Summer of Love trilogy, which we're going to get to. And we've also got the Passport to Romance trilogy, which I don't know. I may need some strong, strong drugs to get through that one because reasons. Anyway, this week we are looking at Fatal Attraction. I've never seen the damn movie, so if there's any connection between the two, I'm absolutely not going to pick up on it. But, um... I also realized that I forgot to describe last week's cover, which I know one reader in particular, one listener in particular, is deeply concerned about. So last week's cover is actually not super interesting. Nancy is completely blonde on that one. She's kind of, she's looking over her shoulder in that kind of like flirty little pose. Um, Completely blonde. Um, She's wearing a scoop-necked blue dress. Looks a little bit bemused. That's the one where Nancy is off at cooking school for reasons, for vague reasons, even though she's like, I don't know, my chicken cordon bleu seems a bit dry, but that's absolutely the only thing we're going to fuck up here. I need to make one tiny error so that I feel more relatable. So she's on the cover. Behind her is Jacques, the asshole who ends, who she bit. So there's that. That's, that's a fun reverse vampire thing. Um, so he's kind of like tiny behind her. He's not standing directly behind her. I'm mentioning this for reasons. In the very background are two chefs going at it with meat cleavers. So you know that things are going to get intense. So that's that one. This one has Nancy full redhead. Just, just doing full redhead in this with actually a little bit of ash at the top. Like she's She's got, like, touches of golden highlights, but that hair is full red. And we're going to get to why that's a little bit weird for this book. She is wearing a purple t-shirt tucked into the highest waisted jeans that one can imagine. Like, we're almost talking empire wasted at this point. And belted with a black belt. She's holding a, like, actual nice detachable lens camera for reasons. No strap on it, though, because she is confident in her own abilities to not fucking drop that camera on the floor. She's looking directly at us. There is a guy standing directly behind her who looks like he's not Ned. He's got that smoldering look that I always imagine that Ned does. But this is actually the main... mm, I was going to say villain, but he's kind of... Anyway, the main antagonist, I guess, in the book. Um, He's got his chin down and he's gazing at you from underneath those nicely trimmed eyebrows. 
He's got light colored eyes, so you know he's not Ned. He's got wavy hair, which, I mean, is occasionally Ned. And he is wearing a button-down shirt that is kind of unbuttoned at both the top and the bottom for mm, just a little bit of flashing reasons. He is also, he's wearing lower-waisted jeans because, oh my God. And he's got his hands tucked into his pockets because he has something to hide, which is accurate. His shirt is blue. Behind them is a barn which is on fire. And Nancy is pictured running away from it, holding hands with somebody wearing a blue shirt, presumably him, which makes absolutely no sense based on what happens later in the book. Spoiler alert, she's not holding hands with him. There is never a time when that happens. Never a time when that happens. So just, just know that. Okay. Fatal Attraction came out in April of 1988. So imagine where you were at that point, whether you were deeply into the cure or not, or not even born yet. So there's that. Um, This one picks up with Nancy... Ned, Bess, and George at a barred vacation home. I always, always mentally pictured this at Fox Lake because Ned's parents have a cabin here, but this is a borrowed lakefront home, which is well appointed. We have no idea of the bedroom arrangements. It is never mentioned. It's never mentioned like, and then Nancy went to her separate bedroom for the night. It's never talked about. So of course, I'm like, this is one of those books when Nancy and Ned were clearly sharing a bed and Bess and George had their own bedrooms and no one mentioned what was going on unless it got noisy. So there's that. Okay. The book opens with them playing volleyball, which they had all four been playing volleyball, but apparently um, Nancy and Ned were wiping the floor with them. So Ned was like, I will take on Bess and George single-handedly. And they were like, fuck yeah, but Bess keeps just dropping the ball because we have to make sure that there's a very clear demarcation between the two cousins. Um, George is wearing a white bikini, which I was like, really? Okay, it's fine. No no judgment. It's fine. And Bess is yelling at George like, you don't have to prove that you are the best athlete who's ever existed every time you hit a fucking ball girl. And she's like, maybe you stop worrying about breaking a fingernail. And I'm like, I don't know. I think that Bess is in the right here. Bess, Bess should be the one setting this one out, but Nancy's the one setting this one out. Nancy is like, I'm feeling lazy after my last case. I'm just gonna chill and enjoy things. It's it's nice. Um, she's putting suntan lotion on her arms, which I was like, not sunscreen. It's 1988. We were aware of the dangers of UV rays, but okay. And we even named up her last case. We're like, and in my last case, recipe for murder. Anyway, she had been up against clever international spies. And I'm like, just the one, really? But uh, I mean, I guess the other asshole was also, all y'all assholes were spies. It was a cooking school full of spies. Like, I feel like we needed to capitalize on that a little bit more, but it's okay. All right. George is wearing a white bikini. Bess is wearing a green swimsuit. You're like, yes, I needed to know all of these things. Nancy is wearing a bright blue a new blue bikini, bright against the pale green cloth of her beach blanket. So, yeah, just a lot of good times. We don't know what Ned is wearing. We just know that he's wearing something. <laughs> Nancy has decided that she is not even going to read a mystery novel. She is going to give her brain a break. And I'm like, you're, you're, gonna, you're getting ahead of yourself for reasons. Anyway, she's on, okay, I'm going to try to emphasize this again. She's on a fucking beach blanket at a borrowed lakefront beach house. When a courier fucking arrives, like, wearing a brown outfit and everything, crown couriers, and they're like, hello, can you sign for this, please? And Nancy's like, not many people knew I was here. This, this is strange. Hmm. The words urgent and extremely confidential were written on it, and the courier was like, all right, bye. Nancy looks at the letter and is like, this bodes ill, and you're like, you ain't wrong. So she opens it up, and 
oh, and then Ned comes over and he's like, what the fuck was that about? And Nancy's like, hang on, let's find out. Nancy Drew, you are urgently needed to work on a most important and confidential case. Without your help, someone you know may be in serious trouble. It is imperative that you meet me at the High Point Drive-In Theater at 10 tonight. Come alone. Okay, that is, I just read it aloud from the book. Um, so Ned looks over at Bess and George and says, if they're talking about someone you know, then it could be them. And Nancy's like, that's true. Okay, back up here. Mm, first off, I love that they do not assume that Ned's in any danger. It's like, he's a big, strong, burly guy. He got this. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Nancy's like, I do not take threats to my friends lightly. And I'm like, occasionally you do. But I mean, it's fine. I, I understand that for you to believe that you are internally consistent, that you do believe that you take your friends' lives very seriously, even though you had George go undercover at a fucking punk rock gang that was abducting people and throwing fake blood around for money it's fine no big deal it's fine so Ned's like I guess that you want to go back to River Heights tonight but what about our vacation she's like I'll just take a few hours off can you put some lotion on my back and I'm like yes yes to all this put lotion on my back is code for everything anyway so then he leans forward and starts making and he's like he kisses her and he's like do you want me to take you into town tonight and I'm like yes to all that I'm sure that there is a local hotel that would be happy for you to hang out there for a couple hours for loud energetic acrobatic reasons anyway so Nancy's like thank you Ned I'm so grateful for your friendship and I'm like and the banging there's also that be grateful for the banging that's fine um she knew that her life would be terribly sad and empty without him please understand that at whatever age I was reading this probably like 11 I was like just a lot of internal sobbing there's a lot of nancy and ned just being super fucking cute in this book and i love it so i'm just saying um ned's like high point driving is a bad part of town i don't like i don't like any part of this setup so i'm going to be parked close by i won't go with you because i know that you're not going to let me go with you because what the letter says but i'll be close by and she's like she's like that sounds great um afterwards we can meet each other and then she's like thanks partner i really appreciate the help and i'm like hell yeah no charge, Ned said, gently brushing her lips with his. Ned, perfect opportunity for you to be like, I know how you can repay me, and it involves us getting naked, but okay, it's fine. Then George walks up. Hey, you two, you know the rules. No kissing in public. And I'm like, George, they break this rule every five minutes. For me reasons. Then um, Bess is like, you'll never guess who I ran into, because they're talking about kissing in public. And, and she says, Brenda Carlton. Okay, so for those of you who are unfamiliar, if you remember the very first book in the Nancy Drew Files series when Nancy goes undercover at a high school and uh, starts trying to mack on a high schooler. I fucking hate that book. Brenda Carlton, like, completely fucking blows her cover. Oh, like, or at least threatens to. She does this often. Um, she tried to blow Nancy's cover during the Harrington case that she was working on. She also, like, let's see... Oh, the one at Flash Magazine when Nancy was an intern there. This they're they're recapping all this shit for you. I love the fact that the ghostwriter for this book was like, I'm going to demonstrate that I am thoroughly familiar with all the books in this series by name dropping a bunch of shit. And I love it. I'm here for it. You're doing good work. So she's like, Remember when she almost blew your cover when you were working at Flash Magazine? And Nancy's like, Of course I remember. Oh my god. I'm surprised that they do not have hyperlinks to buy this book now. No, it's fine. Um, and then Brenda was like, I bet I can find who killed the Harrington dude before you do. And that that kicked off that bitch of a case. So, yeah. So, they're like, okay, let's get back to what do you mean Brenda kissing somebody in public? So, Beth says, I went over to Charlie's, the new place on the south side. Okay. 
They're in River Heights. Um, the implication is that Charlie's is also in River Heights, but that there's a south side of River Heights. I mean, I don't think that anyone has ever gotten a real handle on how fucking big River Heights is or isn't because it's like, Nancy can walk to Bess and George's house. Bess and George's houses. Also, like, there's parts of it she's never seen. And also, she can drive a cab around it. So, yeah, it's fine. Um, so, there's a great guitarist there who just came in from out of town who was playing at Charlie's, the new nightclub. But Brenda got there first and staked her claim on him. And believe me, she was making the best of it. She was practically sitting in his lap. Again, I love the fact that the files is like, sex happens, but also we are never going to talk about it. But also we are never going to mention it. But also we're going to pretend that all of these things are things that you understand when you're 11. And I didn't. So it was like, she was practically sitting in his lap. And I was like, like he's Santa. Um, anyway, she's like, he is a gorgeous hunk. And you're like, again, you're the same thing. Um, they name him as Mike McKeever because apparently Bess got so into this that she stalked a social media asterisk. This is not a thing that would have happened in 1988. So they decide to go have a swim and I'm like, just rinse off all that suntan lotion, which you need to. You need to put some sunscreen on. It's fine. You're fair skinned. It's going to be bad. Nancy goes to the drive-in. She parks under the single light. That's the single feeble light at the drive-in theater. Turns off the ignition. Well, she knows that Ned is waiting nearby. She looks around really carefully, sees a sleek black Lincoln parked in the shadows of the tumble-down concession stand, and she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, this place gives me the creeps. I do love that, like, the drive-in was apparently passe in 1988. And it should have fucking made a comeback in 2021, I'm just saying. Anyway, somebody opens the passenger side of her car, comes, like, gets into her car, grabs her hand in his gloved grip. And then the mysterious stranger laughed, a harsh, frightening laugh. I assume that you've come alone, Nancy Drew. I wouldn't want anyone to see us together. And I'm like, that sounds like this is your worst enemy slash future fuck buddy. So it's not Ned. Because Ned's like, everyone has seen us together. People assume that we're engaged. Anyway, so she places the person. She's like, ah, you are Brenda Carlton's dad. And he's like, ding, ding, ding. Anyway. So he looks in the backseat, you're alone, and I'm like, it's a Mustang. You can't hide anybody in the backseat of a Mustang, except for maybe a toddler, and they would be noisy. So, anyway. So Nancy's like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't you just call me on the damn phone like a normal person? Like, couldn't we meet for lunch? I'm just saying, this is a creepy place. And he's like, somebody might have seen us together. And Nancy's like, and? It's not like I have the fucking plague, you dipshit. He's like, I must impress upon you the importance of keeping the details of this case absolutely secret. No one must know that we've talked except for the people you might need to work with you on the case. And I'm like, she's fucking 18, okay? She, and honestly, based on everything that, that you're going to find out, like, it, the secrecy is a little bit over the top. Like, just saying. So, this is what happens. Mr. Carlton, Fraser, Fraser Carlton, which, with a Z, to make it edgy. Um, Fraser Carlton is like, my daughter isn't involved with a guy who I feel is unsuitable because Nancy has stumbled into a Regency romance novel. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. At the time that I read this, and when I read this when I was like, you know, 11, 12, whatever, I had not been reading Regency romance novels. And when I read it now, I was like, oh, fuck. So we just, we just decided to go full ass Regency romance novel route. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, um, he believes that somebody is after Brenda for her money or to, he's not sure, but he thinks it involves her money. And so 
Nancy's like, oh, it's not Bess and George, because, of course, Ned had planted that idea in her head, and she's like, oh, that's terrifically horrible. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. What What do you want me to do about it, though? Like, she's a, an adult, and, um, I mean, he's hot, so... So he's like, dude is like, I, I just have a really bad feeling about this and I want you to investigate it because you'll be able to get closer to him than I will. And also we can't let Brenda know that we like, I can't let Brenda know that I'm upset about this because she will just double down because she is a stubborn little bitch. And Nancy's like, you ain't wrong about that. That's very true. Um, he says that he like questioned him. Um, let's see. Charlie doesn't pay a living wage. I love that. He's like socialism. Um, Brenda's been paying for all their dates, and I'm like, again, she's fucking loaded, so he got really, furthermore, I love that they're like, I'm going to throw in a furthermore, furthermore, he got really angry when I asked an innocent question about his family, and I'm like, because it ain't, it's not your business, and when I tried to trace the license plates on his motorcycle, I found out that the bike that they were from had been junked, he's driving on phony plates, so he's like, I don't, I don't like any of this, he seems like he's a sleazeball, and I ain't here for it, and Nancy's like, He's like, I'm convinced you're the only person who can help her. And Nancy's like, no. <laughs> Just a flat out fucking no. She's like, not a chance. We're not, she wouldn't accept my help. And he's like, Brenda can't know that we've talked. Brenda can't know that you're investigating. She, no, none of these things. None of these things. And Nancy's like, so you're saying that you don't trust her fucking judgment and you want me to find some evidence that will convince her to drop this guy. And he's like, yes. And Nancy's like, this is horrible. No. And she's like, uh, I'm an idiot for saying yes, but okay. Because, of course, the rest of this book would not happen if she had not said yes. So, Ned and Nancy go to Charlie's the next night, of course. Um, Ned's also like, this This sounds really fucking bad. But Nancy's like, yeah, but thank you for agreeing to help. And he's like, the things I do for love. And I'm like, yes. Just substitute any other word there and you're fine. So, it's like a fucking dive, but the place is standing room only, and there's a... He's playing, like, jazzy blues guitar, and Brenda is sitting in front of the stage, like, eating him up with her eyes, and I'm like, I love that y'all are like, we can't we can't commit to what's actually happening here. Eye-banging the shit out of him to go with wedding crashers terminology. Um, Brenda is sitting alone at a table on the far side of the crowded room, watching the stage almost hungrily, dressed in a skin-tight white top and white slacks, and her dark hair... hair cascaded dramatically around her shoulders she's got plum red fingernails uh brenda's signature color as you will remember is plum red or like a very vibrant red so fingernails lipstick car all that shit so because she looks like a fucking disney villain anyway so brenda's just staring at him like he's my lady's bitch bitch anyway so like, he goes over to her table, she's talking to him, like, putting her fingers in his hair, and I'm like, I don't, maybe he had styled it and does not want your fingers all up in his hair, what you been doing? The most hilarious thing about this scene to me now, at the time I was like, oh, that seems unbelievably fancy and grown up, is that the waiter brings a pitcher of iced coffee to their table, and I was like, that needed to be, like, bottom shelf margarita pitcher, or some shots, or a bucket of you know, whatever, whatever's on tap, maybe some little pony bottles of Cuervo, something, something happening here, but anyway, iced coffee, for reasons, because performers need their caffeine, so they go over there, Brenda's like, bitch, get away from my man, and Nancy's like, hello, Ned is right here, and he is more than enough of a man for me, so fuck off, also, hey, Mike, hey, I heard you playing guitar, you seemed really cool, tell me everything about yourself, and he's like, 
Well, I have, I just, I'm, I'm a guitar enthusiast. And Brenda's like, oh my God, he has played at all these festivals. He's played at this one and this other one. And also this one in Silver Hills. And he was in Batesville and it's been fantastic. And he's the best. We met in Florida. Like, Brenda is just a fountain of information. And Nancy's like, keep going. I'm going to take out a notebook for no reason. She doesn't say that. Anyway, um, Mike came all the way from Miami. He played at the Sweet Corn Festival in Silver Hills. And look at the way he's packing people in here. And Nancy's like, uh-huh, tell me everything. I just love it. You've come such a long way. He's like, I've come a long way from the little town where I grew up. And Nancy's like, and where was that? For reasons. Oakton, Vermont. Mike said, obviously flattered by Nancy's interest. It's just a wide place in the road. They just have a single stoplight next to their Hardee's. Um, God, I believe that the entire United States is the American South, apparently. Anyway, she's like, oh my gosh, and this is not a big place either. Where are you staying? And he's like, the Ridgeview Motel over on Ridgeview Road. Why is he going deep southern? He's from Vermont. Why is he playing jazzy blues? Anyway, what the fuck? It's pretty much a dump. And Brenda's like, he is not always going to be in dumps. He He is a rising a wonderful star. Look at him. Look at the animal magnetism, but don't look too much because I don't want you to touch him. Anyway, so somebody walks over and like dumps the table, which splashes iced coffee all over Brenda's pure white outfit. And she screams and is like, I can't believe so I did. You might go get him. And Mike like turns red and is like, I'll just let me go see if the waiter's got some napkins. And Nancy's like, Brenda, let's go to the bathroom because I can use club soda to get that out. I learned a trick from a flight attendant. And Brenda's like, okay. So they go to the bathroom. And Brenda's like, I know that you're after him. And Nancy's like, hello, Ned. Hello. Have you seen him? Why would I be interested in anybody else? And Brenda's like, then why are you asking him all these fucking questions? And Nancy's like, detective, chaw. And she's like, stay the fuck away from my man, Nancy Drew. He's mine. And then a girl pounds on the door and is like, if you two are going to go at it, can you go out at, at it in the parking lot? Because some of us need to use the bathroom. And I was like, I love it. I love that Charlie's is apparently the kind of place where two girls are going to have a fucking cat fight in the bathroom. And they're like, can you just take it the fuck outside? We're not telling you to stop because we're going to come watch. But we also need to pee. So Nancy's like, we're going by. The next day they have a picnic. Because of course they do. Actually, it's um, Nancy and Ned having a picnic, which is hilarious because it's a lot of Nancy and Ned having a lot of bonding time on this case. I love it. You know, I'm here for that shit. Anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, so I'm going to contact Oden Vermont and I'm also going to contact Dirk Bowman, who is the hilariously incompetent cop in Fort Lauderdale. Remember the human trafficking case that I was like, I shouldn't even be recapping this book because there's not a lot of Nancy and Ned in it, but I'm going to do it anyway because human trafficking. Um, yeah, so she's like, I'm going to call him because he is the cop that I know in Florida, and he's a real cop. I love that she's like the River Heights people. I mean, they try, but they're not real cops. So she calls him. He says that he, hasn't, he doesn't have anything on the books about this one particular guy, but he asks Nancy to get a picture, like a really good clear picture of him and a fingerprint. And, and Nancy's like, sure. And then she asks how to send it, and he's like, Please send it via facsimile. And I was like, oh my God, y'all. That is hilarious. Y'all are so cute. Why don't you find a facsimile machine and put it on the wire? Dirk suggested. Just give me a call and let me know when to look for it and watch out for yourself, detective. It would be really great to see you again. She's like, maybe. I don't know. Thank you. And I'm like, because she thinks of him fondly. And I'm like, he was clearly like making moves on you. But apparently even me past that, I'm fine with it. It's fine. Like, 
please understand that I'm fine with you having friendships with male people. It's just that he definitely seems like he wants to bang you. It's fine. So she talks to the people who are in Oakton, Vermont, uh, and asks to talk to basically their vital records people. And they say that, yeah, we've got a record of a Mike McKeever being born here. Let's see. 20 years ago. And Nancy's like, yeah, that about tracks. He looks about that age. But he died five days later. So um, the clerk and Nancy's like, that's impossible. I'm investigating him and I've seen him. He's alive. And the woman's like, okay, so here's how this works. Somebody requests the birth certificate. We think it's a duplicate. We just issue them the birth certificate thinking that they're legit. And we don't check to see if the person has actually died. So that's how they get fake identities. And Nancy's like, I did not know this. And I'm like, but you should have. It's fine. Maybe this is your first time encountering this. That's okay. Um, but I also love that she's like, people do this, and we still refuse to change our workflow. We are never going to check for death certificates, so fuck off. I love it. I love people who are like, I'm not going to do my job, and I'm going to yell at you if you say that I need to. So Nancy's like, okay, this seems fishy. She goes back out to Charlie's. Um, she takes her camera with her because, again, she wants to make sure that she gets some really good pictures of him. Um, she asks if they have a publicity photo of Mike, and they're like, yeah, and then they check in their files, and they're like, that's weird, because um, I know we had some, but but they're gone. Huh. Weird. Weird. Nancy's like, okay, um, I'll just take some pictures of him. It's fine, because he pops up. He pops up at the club to ask him a question or some shit. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, he's there because she needs him to be. She has summoned him. Um, he's like, I just came to pick up my check and I'm supposed to meet somebody. And Nancy's like, oh, Brenda? And he's like, no, not Brenda. And I'm like, oh, you got a bunch of girls going. I like it. I like it. You're, you're getting that side hustle on. Anyway, so she's like, oh, my God, I interned at Flash Magazine and they love up and coming musicians. And could I take some pictures of you? And he's like, I would love that. And Nancy's like, cool. OK, let me get my car. Let me go out to my car and get my camera. So she comes back in and she's like, maybe you could pose with a glass like you like you just drank something. And he's like, that sounds great. Because, of course, she's like, I can just collect the glass. And I'm sure. so she takes uh, like three or four pictures of him. She's like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Um, and then he the waiter comes by immediately and is like, let me take that glass for you. And he's like, fuck, I really wanted that glass. But oh, I mean, and then there's like five or six other glasses on the tray. So she can't know if she's going to get the right one. So she's like, well, OK, bye. I love it. So Nancy um, drives by the drugstore, stops there, and says, I just need to run in and pick up a few things. And I'm like, condoms for later. It never says. It never says. So guess what, bitch? I can read that shit into it. When she comes back out, um, her camera's gone. And she's like, what the fuck? I should have locked my car. And I'm like, first off, yeah, although it is River Heights, which you, you yourself know about the crime spree that is River Heights, but it's fine. So that means that now she doesn't have any pictures of him. So she goes to Bess and George and she's like, hey, I want you to go to the club tonight while he's performing. Just take some pictures of him. And that's how I'll get our pictures because she doesn't know what she's like. Did Brenda steal my camera? I don't she doesn't understand it because maybe Brenda's just so fucking jealous that she can't stand it. And she does see um, Brenda in her car like nearby. So she's like, mm. so um, Bess is like. You want us to take pictures of him? Maybe I can get him to post for a selfie with me for reasons. Maybe, maybe. And Nancy's like, girl, do whatever it takes. That's fine. And Bess is like, I am on it. Like, white on rice. Yes. So. Um, so Nancy and Ned are in the parking lot because, of course, they would be recognized if they went inside. And Brenda's already on high alert. So they go inside and Nancy and Ned are like, okay, we'll be right out here. And, of course, they start fucking making out, which I'm like, yes, yes, yes to all this. 
um, there's only one light in the parking lot and it goes out and it's like, they have set the mood for us. How can we but obey? And Nancy's like, you ain't wrong. So they start making out and then all she could feel was the warmth of his lips on hers. All she could hear was her own heart thudding in her ears. And I'm like, that's right, bitch. Anyway, suddenly they hear a scream because Bess and George have emerged from the club and somebody is attacking them. So Nancy and Ed book it across the parking lot. Whoever's attacking them is wearing a grotesque mask. Like, she's like, oh, my God, the, this person is a mummy. And then she's like, oh, it's a Halloween mask. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> the person is trying to snatch the camera away from them, of course. Um, Nancy manages to snatch enough of the mask off to see that the person has gray hair and a short clipped gray beard. But Nancy's off balance. The person punches Ned. Actually, no, the person punches George in the face. I'm sorry. Um, Ned knocks the guy down. Nancy tries to snatch the mask off. He gets away, but he has punched George in the meantime. And Bess has a scratch on her cheek. And she's like, this is the worst. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Both of those things would be bad. Both of them. George is like, I think I'm going to have a fucking black eye badass anyway and nancy thinks guiltily of the fact that she and ned were making out and she's like oh my god i'm so sorry and they're like hey it's fine you know people get punched in the face that's just a thing so ned's like okay the star the light going out means that somebody inside the club probably turned it off so mm, this didn't feel like a coincidence and nancy's like hmm then she remembers that where she saw the guy that the mask came off she's like he looked familiar ish and then she's like that's the same guy who dumped the table and knocked all that iced coffee all over brenda and they're like that tracks but it doesn't make any sense because they're like how is he tied to mike it doesn't i don't know i don't know so then and the next thing nancy actually talks to her father who is home for once but only once um he he just stops in to get a fresh change of clothes before he heads off to another conference quotation mark um so he's going away to New York, of course. Um, I want to find him one piece when I get back. She's like, you will. It's fine. And you're like, yeah, of course. She goes into, she goes to talk to Mr. Carlton, actually. I think, yeah, she calls him on the phone because, of course, they can't be seen together for reasons. Um, but she tells him what she's found out about the fact that his identity is fake. Um, the weird guy, she doesn't know. Yeah, anyway. And he's like, I don't think the fact that he's using an alias is going to do anything to, to stop Brenda. They go to get the film developed. Um, they decide to go to his hotel room, so they break into it. Nancy, of course, has her lockpick kit. Again, the law is okay to be broken. Whatever Nancy's doing it, it's fine. Um, they pull the waitress cart. I'm sorry, waitress is the wrong word. Um, the, the, the room cleaning cart in front of the door to block their activities. They go in there. The weird thing is, like... She just, Nancy gestured toward the closet because the room has not been cleaned yet, where half a dozen shirts and jackets hung untidily. And I'm like, how, if they're hanging up, how are they untidy? It's fine. Are they just slung onto a hanger? What's, what's happening? Was the room hastily searched by someone else? Anyway, um, she does find one empty glass. And so she does that for fingerprints, actually manages to transfer the fingerprint to a card so that she can send that off. Uh, she goes to look at the faucet. They find a pink, they find a ticket stub to a, it's the Batesville County Fair, which I was like, I've been to county fairs. They give you one of those admit one tickets. Maybe things are fancier up for y'all. Um, and then she, there's a note that she finds in, I think a pocket. And it says, it's on pink note paper. Then the script was feminine. The eyes dotted with little circles. The faint smell of floral perfume clung to it. Dear Mike, I just have to tell you how much I miss you when we're not together and how much I love you. I pray that we'll never, ever be separated from one another just the way you promised. Love and kisses, Darla. Darla, of course, always makes me think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so there's that. Um, but anyway, so 
Nancy's like, okay, clearly Darla is not here, so awkward. And, of course, the stuff from the Bates County Fair. So, um, Somebody comes up. Bess is outside, and she puts on a maid's cap, and she throws Nancy and George into the bucket with all the dirty laundry, which I was like, I've seen these cards. One person would have trouble fitting in there. Pretzels. But anyway, so they get out of there. It's the gray-haired guy. He goes into Mike's room, and he uses the phone. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? He has a key. He has a fucking key to the room. Like, what the fuck is happening right now? This does not make any sense. Which makes this a good time for a break. Okay, so while um, the gray-haired guy is in the room using the phone or whatever, fucking around, like, they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Um, Brenda comes up. And, of course, they have to get out of sight because they're like, they, Brenda will not enjoy seeing us here. Nancy, Buzz, and George do. Um, so she walks up to the door and she's like, hey, Mike, hey. And the guy opens the door and she's like, you're not Mike. And he's like, yeah, Mike's not here. And Brenda's like, oh, well, I just came by to see him. And he's like, he's not here. And Brenda's like, okay. Um, so she leaves. But Nancy follow, Nancy gets in the car with Bess and George and follows the gray-haired guy. But then Brenda is following Nancy because, of course, she sees Nancy's car. Because, of course, Nancy has a distinctive Mustang. And so Brenda's following Nancy because she thinks that Nancy's at her boyfriend's motel to mack on him. So they, Nancy manages to get through a lot before Brenda does. And so she, she tracks the gray-haired guy to the library, which is fun. Um, and then they have to lose Brenda. So they lose Brenda, go back to the library. And they ask about why the gray-haired guy was there. He was there researching the Carltons. Financially. I love that the librarian who tells him about this, she's just very free with this information. She's like, oh, hey, Nancy, hey, are you here to check out some mystery novels? And Nancy's like, in a way, um, gray-haired guy, what was he here for? And she's like, checking out the Fraser family financials, as one does. And Nancy's like, and that didn't ring any bells for you. Okay, okay. Nancy goes back out to her car, and she sees that somebody has written on her car windshield in blood-red lipstick, stay away from Mike McKeever or else. And Nancy's like, yeah, this this feels like a Brenda thing. Just saying. At least Brenda did not key her fucking car, but then Nancy would have grounds to do some stuff. So they start scrubbing at it, and they're like, wow, this is a bitch to get off. Nancy's like, please, Bess, please go to the gas station around the corner and get a rag with some solvent on it. Which I'm like, I love that Nancy's like, I've had this happen before. I've had to remove a lot of lipstick from my car. Here's what we do. I have no idea if that works. I'm, I'm not going to test it. It's fine. I'm just going to assume that it works. They had to work really hard to do that, though. They go to the Creekside Patio, which has a deck built out over a rippling creek, and they chose a shaded table. There's some really interesting throwbacks in this book to, like, the original mystery stories where, like, Nancy, Bess, and George were stopping at every picturesque little, like, dive bar every five minutes down the road. So they stopped there and are having lunch on the patio. I was, like, observing all COVID protocols. When Ned walks in, and he's like, hey, I saw your car out front, which gave me an idea for a thing that I'm going to write this week. Um, so Ned's like, hey, um, all right. What they, what it looks like to Nancy is that it's a con game. She thinks that Mike's a decoy, the guy with the fatal attraction who lures the girl. He's certainly sexy enough. I'm like, I love that y'all will use the word sexy, but we'll not go any further. Um, and then the gray-haired guy could be the brains behind it, like the person actually driving it. So Mike's just the bait, but the gray-haired guy is the one who, like, engineers everything. But when she talks to Mike about the pictures and putting them in the magazine, he, sent, he wants her to do that. She's like, oh, yeah, that would give you some exposure. And he's like, maybe then I'd be able to get away from, and then he trails off. And Nancy's like, so maybe he's not 100% willing or wanting to go along with this? 
but she also hasn't quite got it figured out yet. So, um, Nancy decides that she wants to go over to Silver Hills and check them out. And Bess and George are like, hey, we need to go shopping, though. Bess is like, we need to go shopping. And Nancy's like, can you just pick up that red shirt that I tried on last time I was there? Thank you. Bye. Anyway, I love it. I love it. Um, Then Nancy actually calls an old friend of her father's. There's a thing that I fucking love in this book. Anyway, so she calls him. He works at the phone company. She's like, okay, there was a call that was placed from this place at this time. Can you tell me what the number was? And he's like, I will look into it. So then he says, okay, it was made in Bate, to Batesville, and let me copy the number for you. And Nancy's like, he played in Batesville. Hmm, hmm, okay. So he has the number, but he, of course, doesn't have, um, he can't tell her who it was. He just has the number, and you can't really do a reverse lookup at this point, so. Um, Batesville is a three-hour drive from River Heights, so she was like, okay, let's go to Silver Hills, and then we'll go to Batesville, and that'll be fine. Um... But Nancy's also got the pictures developed, and she's got the thumbprint, and so she's um, got to, let's see, the next morning she decides to send him off. Dirk says that he wants to be in the office to receive the facts, which I was like, did the person writing this understand how facts machine, I mean, it was, uh, because again, it's, it's not like, I guess it's kind of unofficial police business, so I get it from that perspective, like it's a little bit off the clock, but anyway, so he says, uh, send it in tomorrow morning, so Nancy goes to Frazier Carlton's office to send it, so she's got the pictures of Mike, and she's got the thumbprint, which again, I'm imagining a thumbprint sent over a fax machine in 1988, and I'm like, wow, y'all just didn't give a fuck, like, it's kind of a point in the, the favor of fingerprint analysis being complete bullshit, but okay, um, or the movie magic of facsimile machines in 1988. So Nancy's in there faxing slowly, so painfully slowly. When Brenda barges in, she's like, my daddy says I can, because um, Fraser Carlton goes to his administrative assistant and is like, make sure that nobody enters this room while Nancy's in here because he, of course, wants to be deeply secretive. And so Brenda stomps in and is like, my daddy owns this place. I can use this machine whenever I want to. And so she like barges in and she spots Nancy and Nancy immediately is like, hiding these pictures because of course Brenda sees Nancy with pictures of Mike she will go fucking ballistic so Nancy's like oh hey and Brenda's like what the fuck are you doing here and Nancy's like my dad asked me to do him a favor so fuck you (laughs) and Brenda's like and why did I see you in town yesterday and Nancy's like because my dad asked me to pick up some office supplies fuck you and Brenda's like well stay away from Mike and Nancy's like already doing it already doing it bitch fine so Nancy's like, should I warn? Oh, she's like, and somebody wrote something on my windshield. That was weird. And Brenda's like, yeah. And she smirks. And Nancy's like, you're so fucking transparent. Nancy's like, should I warn her? No, no. She's such a bitch. Anyway, Nancy and Ned go to Silver Hills. Let's see. Anyway, they go to the, um, the Chamber of Commerce. This is so fucking adorable. Anyway, they go to the Chamber of Commerce. There's a teenager inside who's like an intern. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He got up with, oh, Nancy's like, his name is Mike McKeever. She's like, no, no, it's Mike Malone. And um, he was all up on Laura Rogers. And Nancy's like, cool, can I talk to Laura? And she's like, no, but you can talk to Laura's best friend, Pam, who works at the Beauty Box. Beauty Box. I love it. Um, the Beauty Box is a small beauty salon attached to a house. I love it. I love it. Anyway, it's painted pink with purple trim. I'm here for it. So there's a girl inside. 
who's reading a magazine. She ain't, she ain't got shit going on. And I'm like, yeah, that tracks. So the girl's like, Nancy's like, are you Pam? And she's like, yeah, I'm Pam. What's it? What of it? And she's like, I'm here to talk about this guy. So she holds up the picture and Pam's like, are you friends with him? And Nancy's like, fuck no, actually. He's trying to get up with somebody we know. We're kind of, we think that he's an asshole. And she's like, because he is. Run, don't walk to the nearest exit. Don't even wait to say goodbye. He makes, he breezes into town for the festival, makes a big play for Laura, who was engaged to my brother. She's my best friend. And then Pam's like, she was. And Nancy's like, something happened to her. And Pam's like, yeah, she got involved with Mike, and then she broke off her engagement to my brother, broke his heart. Her father heard that she and this guy were planning to elope, so her parents got into the act, too. Nobody knows for sure what happened. They say there was a payoff of some kind. Everybody knows about it, but nobody knows, like, what actually happened. Mike and his buddy left town. Laura got mad at her parents for interfering, and she went off to Chicago, and now my brother's eating his heart out for a girl who jilted him for a jerk. Jilted, I love it. Yes. So Nancy's like, can you describe this friend that Mike had? Was he an older guy with a gray beard? And she's like, fuck yeah. He lived in a travel trailer. And I'm like, I love it. Anyway, so somebody else comes in and Pam's like, I gotta go, but tell him to fuck off from me. And Nancy's like, noted and will. So, <laughs> um, and Nancy's like, can I talk to Laura's parents? And Pam's like, um, her father took it really hard. They split up. I don't know where he is now because he would be the one who would probably know about it. So... Laura was well off, and Nancy's like, okay, so so they get into town. They say that Mike's going to run off with the girl unless the parents give him money is what this may be. So, um, let's see. Oh, they go back to Nancy's house, Nancy and Ned do, and the phone rings, and it's Dirk. Dirk says that he doesn't have anything on the print yet, but there's a positive on the photo. Um, your boy was involved here in Fort Lauderdale with a girl named Darla DeCamp. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, she was on the missing person list up your way until a couple of weeks ago. She turned up in a lake outside Batesville dead. And Nancy's like, oh, what? Yeah. So, so Nancy remembers the note and she's like, oh shit. So she's like, was there a cause of death? And Dirk says, not yet, but the case is open. So yeah. So Nancy's pretty sure it's an extortion racket and that that's what, that's what's about to be, that's what's going on with that. Um, oh, and then Ned's like, why don't we eat and talk? And so Hannah comes in and she's like, is it dinner time? And Ned comes over and, and wraps Hannah up in a hug and he's like, Hannah, I'd sure love one of your gr- terrific grilled cheese sandwiches and some tomato soup and your chocolate cake has also held the key to my heart. One of them anyway. And Hannah's like, you know, I love you. And so she goes off to make dinner for them. And I'm like, I love that Carson's out of town, and Ned's like, I got this, but also, okay, y'all, that's fine. Also, grilled cheese sandwiches in July? I mean, okay, it's fine. Anyway. Um, then Mr. Carlton calls Nancy and is like, hold everything, and Nancy's like, what? What's going on? And so Mr. Carlton says, um, I found out that Brenda is, Brenda was talking to Mike on the phone, and he asked her to meet him out there at 10 o'clock tonight at Flanagan's Farm, and Nancy's like, Okay, and Mr. Carlton's like, I need you to go out there. I can't be the one who goes out there. I need you to see what's going on. And Nancy's like, okay. So she takes Ned with her, which apparently Flanagan's Farm is a an estate that's being held in, like, all the relatives are fighting over it. So it's, like, it's just falling down. And it's a parking spot for the local teens. So, of course, Nancy and Ned are familiar with it, as they are teens who have parked. And Ned's like, it is so romantic out here. And Nancy's got night vision goggles on, and she's like, hang on, I'm looking around. And Ned's like, look at those fireflies. And Nancy's like, look at that barn. 
Nancy's like, now it's not the time for making out. Remember what happened last time we made out? Bess and George got punched in the face, which by the way, George does indeed have a fucking black eye at this point. Uh, they go into the bar and Ned's like, I think that maybe he's like dragging her in there. And Nancy's like, oh shit. So, um, I don't think it's here. Anyway, they run to the barn and they're just fucking making out in there. Like they're not fucking, they're making out in there. Um, and Brenda's like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? And Nancy's like, oh, well, um, Ned and I came out here for reasons and we didn't know that the barn was occupied. And Brenda's like, sure, you just like to spy on people who are making out. And Nancy's like, or Ned and I are going to go bang. So make your choices. Anyway. So, yeah, there's that. It's uncomfortable. But anyway. So. The next day, um, Nancy calls the fucking Batesville police. Okay, so as you know, Darla disappeared. Darla, Darla is from or near Batesville. And so Darla's disappeared. So Nancy's calling the, the police officers there. It's a sheriff because it's a small town. Um, to find out what's going on. And the guy won't talk to her. He's like, you know, Nanya, basically. I'm not going to talk to you about this. It's uncomfortable, whatever. Ollie would tell me as the case is still open, he wouldn't even tell me about how the girl died. And Nancy's like, I guess I'm just going to have to go there and talk to him in person. Um, but what she found out was that the gray-haired guy was calling the Batesville Police Department or Sheriff from that phone. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? If he's the bad guy, then why the fuck is he calling the police? That's so fucking weird, so... So Nancy and Ed stake out Mike's hotel room, which he does nothing, and it's really boring. And Nancy's like, if Ned were not here for me to make out with, I would probably have fallen asleep. So um, they track him. He goes to the travel trailer where um, the gray-haired guy is living. And they overhear him talking, and the... Oh, hilariously. So they go up, and they're listening. Mike's motorcycle is parked out front. You mean that strawberry blonde with the great legs? Again, on the cover of this thing, she is depicted as having just, like, very red hair. Auburn you're crazy Felix. And you're like, yeah, I love it when people mention each other's names as dialogue tags and conversations for reasons. Anyway, so he's like, Nancy Drew is a hotshot detective. She survived a helicopter crash up in Canada. Inside half an hour, she'd arrested the woman who stole the chopper. Uh, the former mayor of this very town is breaking rocks somewhere upstate. When I first read this, I had no fucking idea what that meant. I was like, breaking rocks. What? What? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, and you let her get a picture of you. And Mike's like, you're, why are you being so weird about this? Like, you're at, anybody who is, like, revealed as part of this is just going to be embarrassed. Like, yeah, your daughter was an idiot who got mixed up with us. Like, it, you know, it's kind of a mutually assured destruction thing. Like, if you reveal the fact that your daughter was so much of a dipshit that she got mixed up with these people, then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Like, it's, that's what he's going for. He's like, you're acting like we're one for murder. And the gray hair guy's like nothing anyway so he's like we got a couple days but we got to wrap this shit up we got to get out of town which at this point i was like this feels all like heartbreakers which i love it's got sigourney weaver in it and it's also got that one guy um jason fucking hello anyway where it's a mother-daughter con artist team where they wear a bunch of outstanding outfits and i love it it's got ray Liotta, who smells like apples and also died recently anyway 
Anyway, so that's what it was reminding me of, where it's like you have the the brains and then you have the, but that one is like they're they're trying to hook marriage. And in this one, they're just trying to basically say, pay us off and we won't elope with your daughter, which again, they, they, they never would have fucking done anyway. So, um, it crashes, Nancy's standing on a, a, a crate, which crashes down. Um, the guy lets his big mean dog out of the trailer, which, um, chases Nancy to a chain link fence. Ned is already over the chain link fence and pulls her up over it so that they can get over it and they run away. So they don't actually see that that's who they were talking about. Um, but now they know that something happened with Darla and that Mike apparently doesn't know about it. Like it, it doesn't seem like he knows about what happened with Darla. So they're pretty sure that Mike didn't kill Darla, but they don't know. And also, Ned's like, we also don't know how she died. And Nancy's like, that is very true. We need to find that out. So the next day, Nancy goes to Batesville and she talks to Chief Saunders, who is like, I can't help you. I can't tell you about the cause of death. I told you this over the phone. I don't know why you drove the fuck out here. And Nancy's like, look, there are these two guys and I think that they're involved in this con operation and it's Mike and Felix and I'm just, I need to see if they were involved in this death. And he's like, where's your evidence? And she's like, not much. So anyway, so he basically completely fucking stonewalls her on all of this. And Nancy's like, okay, well, thank you. She goes out to the decamp house and the dad answers the door and is like a wreck of himself. He's like, I'm not going to talk to reporters. And Nancy's like, I'm not a reporter. I'm just trying to help. And he says, oh, if you're trying to catch the people who did this, then 100% fucking yeah. I want you to catch the man who killed my daughter. Um, And when Nancy shows a picture of Mike, he says that Mike killed his daughter. And so Nancy's like, tell me everything. Um, Apparently, um, Darla was discovered. The problem is that the body was not discovered for three weeks after she vanished. Um, Pete Mitchell is the... Let's see. Pete Mitchell is the name that he took when he was in that town. Is the name that Mike or whatever the fuck his actual name is took in that town. Um, they pulled the same con. They said that Darla was going to run away with Mike unless, or Pete, unless um, they were paid off. And so the father says that he paid off half the money. Um, something happened to interrupt the plan. Then Darla disappeared. They tried to convince Darla to not stop seeing him. Of course, she wouldn't, and they got the call. Um, the friend never called back. I never made the second payment. A few weeks ago, a fisherman found her body in the lake outside town. The autopsy showed that her skull was fractured. So, um, the father's theory is that Pete knocked her out and threw her in the lake, and that's what happened. So, Nancy's like, I know this is really hard for you, but can I see where it was? I just... And also, while she's fucking there, like, the there's a knock on the door, and the fucking chief of police is out there, and he's like, I see that there's a car out front, and I think it belongs to this girl who came to the office, and she was asking all these questions, and you need to not talk to her. And the grieving dad is like, fuck you, bitch. You won't do shit. And she's saying that she'll at least do something, so fuck off. And the chief is like, I mean, okay. So, um, they go out there to see the lake. Which is not much of a lake, is what they say. But um, they're saying that maybe she was out at night swimming, but they were like, Darla didn't swim. That was not a thing that she would have done. She wouldn't have been out at night. Like, none, no part of that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Um, let me think. Oh, this happens later. Okay. So, 
When Nancy's on the way out of town, she gets run off the road by the green car that the Felix, the gray-haired guy, drives. She gets run off the road into a cornfield and hits her head and passes out. Um, a guy on a tractor sees what happens, tells it to the cops. Nancy revives long enough to hear that, and then she wakes up in a hospital bed. Because she's got a light concussion, because of course she does. And Ned's there, because Nancy's father is out of town, and Hannah's car is in the shop. And so Ned drove the three hours out there. Like He was like, I broke all traffic all traffic laws to get out here and he's been by her bedside all night so she wakes up and she sees him there and she's very grateful to see him there and she's like i've got to get back to town like they're they're gonna close this scam on brenda and the doctor's like i don't want you to leave until tomorrow and nancy's like i promise i'll get some rest eventually fingers crossed and so the daughter lets her go before she goes um the sheriff comes out and he's like i will have you held as a material witness in this case, if you do not back off. Nancy looked at him calmly. I think my father might have something to say about it. And I was like, yes, she is pulling the toaster strudel card. I love it. She's like, my father, the inventor toaster strudel, would not be pleased to hear about this. I love it. Um, Dirk Bowman then calls Nancy's hospital room. And he's like, Nancy, I've traced that fingerprint. And it doesn't belong to Mike. It belongs to Felix, who is an escaped murderer wanted by the FBI. I fucking love it. I love it. And so the chief is like, I'll let you go this time. And Nancy's like, nothing you're doing is making sense. I have grave doubts about you. You seem terrible. So so Nancy talks to Mr. Carlton, who says that he received a call from Felix that said basically the same thing that has been happening, where it's like, your daughter is going to elope with this absolute idiot. If you would like... For this to not happen, then you're going to need to pay us some money, etc. And he fucking laughs him off the phone. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you for trying to do this. I'm going to call the police. And so they were like, oh, oh, fuck. So what happens is Felix tells Mike that they need to get Brenda to bring um, money. So what Mike tells Brenda is, you know, I want to make it big and I want you by my side when I do it. So I want you to come with me. So if you could bring some money so that to like basically bankroll us while we're trying to get started. And Brenda being an idiot, but also it's um, Sunday, I think it's, it's Saturday or Sunday when this happens. It's just the weekend. So Brenda can't get to a fucking bank. So she robs her entire fucking jewelry box. So there's some fun stuff that happens where um, Fraser Carlton has to be at Nancy's house to basically be the, to relay calls. And um, so Nancy and Ned decide that they're going to go out to Felix's trailer. They don't find him there. Bess and George go out to the hotel. They don't find him there. They ask around. They eventually figure out that probably Brenda, Brenda left a note for her dad that was like, I'm so sorry, daddy. I will call you when we, we get somewhere safe, but um, I believe in Mike and his dreams. And Nancy's like, fuck this shit. Um, but yeah, she's cleaned out her jewelry box. So. In a wildly improbable turn of events, based on everything, um, Nancy and Ned figure out that... I, I think that Nancy actually sends Ned to get the police. Um, but Nancy goes to Flanagan's farm again, because she's like, this is this is the place that they would go if they wanted privacy, and they've been here before. So she goes out there, and her hunch proves correct. Um, she sees that Felix's trailer is out there because the, the trailer was gone, or whatever the fuck. Anyway. Um, and... Nancy sneaks in because she's pretty sure that shit's going to go down. So she goes up there. She goes up in the hayloft and actually piles some hay on top of the trap door in case she needs it for a distraction. And I was like, I like it. I like it. But I will say that at this point, the ghostwriter at two points refers to Nancy as having a powerful pocket torch. 
Since I read a lot of British shit, I should have picked up on this sooner, but my first thought was that she was going to do some creme brulee but some industrial strength creme brulee Um, no. So she pulls out a flashlight, and I was like, pocket torch, you're British, you're British, I love it, yes! Also, why didn't the editor catch this? But anyway, so she goes up in the hayloft, um, and then Felix comes in, Mike comes in, Brenda comes in, and the money that Brenda was supposed to bring is all jewelry. She's just brought a bunch of jewelry. And Felix, of course, freaks out. And he's like, we told you to bring money. And Brenda's like, who is this fucker? Like, I'm not here for him. Mike, why is he here? I'm, I've got all this stuff. We can just we can just sell it. It'll be fine. And Mike's like, uh, it's traceable. And Brenda's like, why the fuck does that matter? It's mine. I can sell it if I want to. And Mike's like, this, well, shit. So Nancy, of course, sneezes. <laughs> She's hiding in the hayloft. Felix hears her and is like, come down. And he's got a gun because, of course, he's got a fucking gun. So they're kind of at an impasse because now it's like, do we kidnap Brenda and try to ransom her or whatever? So they tell Nancy to come down. She comes down and she's like, I heard everything. Um, the cops are on their way. You can't get away with this, etc." Also, they know that she killed Darla. Okay. Mike did not know that Darla was dead. So Mike is like, what do you mean, Darla? Is that why, is that why you wouldn't let me go talk to her? And... And Felix is like, you were getting too close to her. Like, she had to go. Like, you, you had, you'd caught feelings for that bitch. And Mike's like, I loved her! And so then he starts strangling Felix. They knock over, of course, a, a lantern that's nearby. Of course, the hay fucking catches on fire. Nancy grabs Brenda and wrestles her the fuck out, which, um... Like, once Brenda has figured out that this has all been a con, like, Brenda wants to punch people in the face, and Nancy's like, look, we need to get the fuck out. Okay, we need to get the fuck out. I do love that at this point, Nancy drags Brenda out of the burning barn. Mike is having a fist fight with Felix at the back of the barn, and Nancy and and Brenda just stand outside, and they're like, I mean, this seems reasonable to just let this barn burn down around them. I mean, they kind of invited it on themselves. At that point, the cops pull up, including an FBI agent. Oh, my God. So, um, Mike comes out with Felix, who he's beating the shit out of. Um, Yeah, so Felix, who was the murderer, is the one who um, hit Darla and threw her in the lake so that she would drown. And my thing was, I was like, this feels a lot like some 1950s drama where maybe Darla got knocked up and... So what they find out about Mike is that Mike was a teenage runaway who met up with Felix, who Felix conned him into starting this. And I was like, hot teenage runaway. Mm, I've got I've got some feelings on what might have happened there. Like, mm, was Mike turning some tricks? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because as Fraser Carlton has pointed out, guitar is not going to make you a living wage. Um, anyway, so they've apprehended him. I think that Mike Mike got a much lighter sentence because he wasn't involved in the death. He did get sentenced. And Brenda was like, I want them to throw the book at him because Brenda's dad has come up at the same time as the cops. Um, they're like, oh, I want him in jail. And he's like, shut the fuck up, okay? You shut up. Just get in the car. Just get in the car. So. So, yeah, that's how that played out. The FBI was there for Felix. Um, They didn't really give a fuck about Mike. Mike was just, yeah, conning people. Just involved in the con. So, um, at the end of it, um, Fraser Carlton is letting them hang out at his pool in back of his mansion. I was like, okay, 
in case I did not establish this earlier. He is the publisher of Today's Times, which is the local kind of, actually, it's like a little bit trashy, honestly. Like the River Heights Morning Record, which is where Anne Granger works at, during the book where Nancy works with her, like that seems like the regular hometown local paper. But Today's Times feels really like splashy tabloidy and also Brenda is allowed to write for it. And Brenda is very all, all about splashy, garish, tabloidy, tawdry shit. So anyway, so Brenda wrote a like front page article for the paper saying that she an intrepid undercover journalist um knew the whole time that she and nancy's like that is not at all what happened and fraser carlton is like yeah we we had to have a talk about journalistic ethics at this point and i told her to rewrite it truthfully so so that she's doing that that's why she can't be your pool party and nancy's like i didn't want her here anyway but okay so yeah, Nancy and Ned, Bess and George are just enjoying some pool time, and Brenda has to be at work rewriting the dumb article that she wrote that was all about, like, rewriting her own history, and Nancy's like, yes, yes. So, so what have we learned? Not much. I mean, honestly, this is just a fucking, like, he's a rake and a scoundrel, and he extort. he's like, if you want me to stop dating your daughter, then you'll give me money. Like, I'm like, Mike, you really could have eliminated the middleman here. But Mike just seems like a dumb puppy. Mike, he's just, he's hot and he apparently has guitar skills, but mm, he just, he doesn't want to do this as his thing. And Felix is like, hell yeah. And I'm like, again, Felix ain't got the looks to pull this off. He is here for murdering though. He's that, he's a murder enthusiast. So this all works out for him. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, narratively, it does make a lot more sense if Darla was pregnant and maybe told Mike, but I would say that maybe if Felix found out that Darla was pregnant, that would make some more sense because Mike, I think would have gotten much, much angrier and would have been much, much more determined to track Darla down if he had known that. I mean, and you can read it either way. You can read it as just that he had fallen really hard for her and that Felix just didn't want them interfering with what was going on between them, which I'm like, again, like, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some stuff going on. That's fine. Also, at the end of it, Dirk is like, come work with some real cops. And Nancy's like, you ain't wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. You were a, a terrible cop. We remember that book. We, were, I'm not going to paint you in valor over your just being a total dipshit over human trafficking. Like, you weren't doing good work. You were like, I'm going to go windsurf with Nancy Drew. Like, who can blame you? She is a real-life Disney princess, but also you're not good at copying. Um, anyway, so yeah, so yeah, Nancy and Ned's summer continues. Uh, the next book actually, yeah, and that goes with them to this too. The next book, they're going to go to fucking Hawaii, which I was like, oh, like it hits different now that the whole native Hawaiians are like, why don't you get the fuck out? Like, get it. But anyway, we're going to go to Hawaii for the next book and there's a volcano because there has to be a volcano. It's a contra- it's contractually obligated that there's going to be some volcanoing. Um, so yeah, that's what's going to happen next week. So it's, it's still the summer of love for Nancy Drew, the summer of Ned. That is, this is case 22, Sinister Paradises, which is Sinister Paradises, Hawaii. Um, that's book 23. And then following that is book 24. I'm so fucking excited for all of us to experience that together. So in the spirit of distracting ourselves from the total hellscape that may or may not be unfolding around us. Stay sleuthy, my friends.